0: You are listening to A Night Dream, the Night Dream Podcast, well uh, one day I would like to finish the two books that I started with. You are listening to A Night Dream, the Night Dream Podcast. The first night dream of the episode is called The Unexpected Movement of the Moon. One day you wake up expecting everything to be normal. You haven't got much planned and you're looking forward to relaxing. It's half ten by the time you get out of bed and you woke up at eight, slept until nine, and spent at least an hour on your phone. Very luxurious by your standards. Eventually, you put on some comfy clothes and make your way into the kitchen. After you put the kettle on for a coffee, you yawn and stare blankly out of the window into the garden. You abruptly stop making coffee, because from where you're standing, it seems that the moon is moving suddenly and unexpectedly towards the earth. Terrified, you open the window for a better view. Still, the moon careens towards you. You quickly scramble to find your TV remote and turn on the news. At this point, you realise that things are really bad because the live newsrooms are empty. The camera's left rolling on empty rooms. The moon is still moving towards you as you run inside to find your phone charger. You hope desperately that your phone will turn on so you can message the people you love and think about what to do in your last moments. Your phone is still off when the moon suddenly stops moving, although it appears to have stopped completely. It still feels just as new and perilous as when the moon was moving. It's so close now that you could cycle to it if there was a bridge. Soon you realise that the new moon is significantly smaller than it was at the start of its journey. As it came to an abrupt stop, the moon shook off its outer chalky layer, and you squint towards the new moon, and it looks like the surface is dotted with thousands of rectangular buildings, or maybe thousands of paths lacing across the surface, like the longitude lines of a globe, countless paths crisscrossing the face of the moon. You need to see it closer, so you put a jacket on and go out to stare at the moon from outside. Your neighbours are also there. One of them has clearly been crying, and both are in their dressing gowns. You wave at them, but they're busy watching the moon and don't respond. After staring up at the moon for a while, you go back indoors and spend most of the day responding to all the messages you got while it was moving. A few weeks later, you're more or less used to the moon's new location, it's become a welcome distraction from the working week. Overnight, the moon changed from a natural satellite to the most traumatising event into your life, and then into a meme. The moon's new closeness brought it back into the mainstream, and has kick-started a space race renaissance. Not even a day after the moon finished moving, almost every country in the world started the construction of huge ladders up to the moon. Each country wanted to be the first to explore the new moon, and for a brief moment, Earth was united by the moon's sudden proximity. Although the Earth's history is at best violent and ugly, the moon softened it for a short time. Astronauts experienced a surge in popularity and could be seen on every news channel, and you weren't sure what to make of it all, but it was definitely more exciting and less sad than the news from two weeks ago. Now not even a month has passed and you're sick of it politicians are given even more space to be greedy and cruel. Any critique leveled at them is disarmed by the newness of the moon debate. All moon budgets appeared good to begin with, but since we are exposed as attempts to mine the surface of the moon, or thinly veiled moon expansionism, scientists and astronauts clamor to explain how new moon-based technologies will be life-changing at all levels of society, but largely nothing changes in the way that it has done your entire life. Still, you get up and go to your nine-to-six job that you hate. As shady boardroom deals are made and bottomless pockets lined, you sit on the bus home, listening to a podcast about how, unfortunately, the old United States of America flag burnt up upon entering orbit, so now there is technically no proof of the original moon landing. Every country apart from the United States agrees that the new moons should remain neutral, that is, neutrally beneficial to the corporate interests of the thousand wealthiest people on Earth. The next night dream is called the true worth of the moon, or humanity discovers the total sum of knowledge within the moon's labyrinths. You watch with horror as it becomes clear that the moon, now conveniently in reach, will be treated exactly the same as the Earth. Months have passed since it moved, and although there was a window of excitement, When experts believe that aliens lived inside the moon, almost nothing has happened. More than a year passes, but gradually the major fossil fuel companies lose interest. An employee leaks to the news that every attempt to transport the moon's substance to Earth has failed. That, upon entering our atmosphere, it disappears like ice without the water. It seems that as hard as they try, it's impossible to profit from the moon's singularly marble-like resource and at this point a significant amount of money has been spent on moon infrastructure. Every industry under the sun has attempted to profit from the moon material. Having withstood governments, corporations, billionaires, and greedy institutions, the moon eventually became home to a strange mix of luxury tourism and postgraduate studies. Desperate to recoup, the moon was opened up to tourism, At first, trips to the moon were only affordable for the wealthy, but eventually trips became commonplace, and adventurous couples would plan romantic weekends. It was, after all, stunning. The moon was briefly voted as the eighth wonder of the world, but people slowly grew resentful of it, as it towered above the earth, a constant reminder that it shouldn't be there. The mystery remained, but when it became clear that it could neither make money or be weaponized. Most of society treated it as somewhere between a vast museum and a cemetery. It was at this stage that the true research could begin, and the new Moon University was opened. Every country wanted to contribute towards moon study. Interpreting the moon's web of corridors did indeed bring many of the world's scholars together, and the general consensus was that the moon could be read like an enormous tablet, containing the total history and total knowledge of all humanity in the form of thousands of small dioramas that spotted the moon's surface. These dioramas, buildings and sculptures created endless labyrinthian paths to study. For many researchers, the most interesting part of the sculptures was that there was no attempt at writing or signage to be found. Even after decades of moon study, no cipher had been discovered. Instead, there was talk amongst the professors that the statues could be read only in very abstract terms. If you started at one statue and moved diagonally away from it, you could be learning about gravity, but follow the same route backwards and you could be reading Wuthering Heights. One square mile of patches contained every known bird, linked by size, era and evolution. It gradually became accepted that the moon contained the sum of all knowledge humankind has ever discovered and will discover. This vagueness did invite extreme opinions, eventually leading to Disney suing the Catholic Church over their use of a series of statues that could arguably be Christ lifted from his manger, or the Lion King. This landmark case led to many laws that made profiting from the moon even harder, which led to the New Moon University's motto, Understanding is the end goal. Greed can only lead to suffering. This next night dream is called A View of the Moon. You've been hitchhiking into town for a couple of weeks because your car didn't pass its MOT. The moon's sudden movement has been very disruptive to public transport networks where you live. But for you, life goes on. Last week, you thought you were lucky as a guy in a truck drove you halfway to your destination, dropping you off at a petrol station. It was warm and sunny when you set out, so you didn't bring a jacket, and you stand by the roadside with your thumb up. Staring at the moon, which is so close you can see the different clusters of statues. You find it unnerving, but you try to look normal. Three hours pass, and you begin to feel nervous, as it gets very cold and the sun goes down. Five hours in, it begins snowing, and you've only seen a handful of cars all day. You're scared, but still hopeful, although it is getting dark, and it's very cold. Two more hours pass before someone stops to pick you up. They don't judge you for not bringing proper clothes, but they say you must be feeling pretty cold, and you tell them that you are. When they drop you in town, you stay at a friend's house, and your entire body tingles with the most extreme pins and needles that you've ever experienced. The next time you hitchhike, you bring a jacket and boots, expecting the worst, but instead a man with big sunglasses pulls up almost immediately. He's driving a Toyota Supra, and drives you the whole way into town, You stop on the way, so he can check in on his friend, who the man says is really going through it. When you pull up to the friend's trailer, two enormous dogs surround the car, and you're relieved when the man with glasses suggests that you stay in the car. After five minutes, the man returns, and you're relieved because he is relieved. He confides in you that every time he visits, he's scared that his friend will be dead and when the man drops you off, you offer him enough for a drink or a coffee to say thanks. He declines and wishes you luck. The last night dream of this episode is called Political Factions Decide to Destroy the Moon. You are older now than you were. Now you look back fondly at the years surrounding the moon's sudden movement, and although it felt like the world was about to end at any minute, it was a personal victory for you when the Earth's companies try to treat the moon in the same way as they do to your planet, only for it to turn to dust in their hands. Relatives of yours studied at the International Moon Research Centre and made lives based around their extensive research of the new moon. For a short time, you really thought that the year it moved marked a cultural shift away from greed into a more childlike fascination with our surroundings. It was hard, you thought, for people to work 10-hour days when the moon could move again at any moment and crush them. But now as you flick through the TV channels, you can feel it. There's a bubbling itch and unpleasantness just between the gaps. And at first, it's just fringe groups and extremists decrying the moon. Religious smear campaigns are launched against the moon, stating that rather than containing the sum total of all religious knowledge, instead contains the devil, locked within the centre of the moon, and that the moon is a neo-Pandorian evil waiting to be released upon the earth. Centrist comedians poke fun at moon sculptures on TV. The general consensus is that studying the moon is the equivalent of reading Ulysses, utterly pointless and bubbling with elitism. One day you're getting ready to go to work, and deep below the surface of the earth a general skims his way through a dossier. The general is very excited by the dossier, which suggests that the moon in its present position is a danger to the earth and should be destroyed by powerful missiles. This idea titillates the general and is met with great enthusiasm by his peers Further into the dossier, the writer suggests that the size of the explosion necessary to destroy the Moon could also potentially damage the Earth, which could have negative consequences, and so solemnly but dutifully recommends Operation Bath Bomb, the general scowls at this name. The global military has been stung by the Moon, investing much of its resources and receiving back nothing of value. This defeat is fresh in the mind of the general, who would have preferred a more violent outcome, but finds it poetic that the moon's own propensity to turn into nothing would be its undoing. And so that's how they did it. No Big Bang. Instead, a cabal of billionaires paying just above minimum wage for the moon to be dissected and melted on an industrial scale. The papers reported this as a good thing at the time, and people believed them. And now there is no moon.